you live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Thank you for stopping in. My name is Matt, and this is the Imperfect Buddhist Podcast. So this podcast has been on my heart to do for better part of a year, doing a little bit of a transition period from my main focus, which has been music, music production under the name Common Tiger. And Buddhism and mindfulness has always been an important part of what I do with music. I definitely have included it in the names of songs and the energy of the music, um, little quotes that I've added in there. But this podcast is going to be something a little bit different. I just wanted to introduce myself a little bit. I was in a touring band. It was my biggest dream all through high school. Uh, I could be found sketching on pieces of paper, you know, guitars and band names, you know, with the sharp letters, because I was in like hardcore metal bands back then, daydreaming, hardly listening to the teacher. One of my friends... One of my bandmates brought over this DVD called The Secret. We popped in The Secret. On came this smiling face that talked about how to to manifest what you want in this world. You just need to imagine it. And from that time on, everything changed for me. I really employed that to the fullest and began manifesting my musical dreams. And if you were to ask friends of that time, they would probably concur. The ones closest to me started to see changes in my voice and the way I played my music, opportunities that were coming to me. And soon I found myself dropping out of high school, calling my job at the gas station and telling them I'm not coming in today. I found myself in a van full of people I had never met, driving somewhere I didn't know where we were going, and learning songs I'd never heard before. It was a dream come true. This was a time of transition for me where I, through most of my school years, I was on medication for anxiety and ADHD. Maybe it was depression, I'm not sure. During this time when I packed my bag and left it, you know, early in the morning, I decided, oh, I don't need the the medication. And this was the beginning of a big journey for me and not the journey that I had expected. I expected music and to be meeting these dreams I had in my mind of playing music in front of giant crowds. And my intentions were good. I wanted to make something that inspired and encouraged the best in people. I imagined smiling faces beaming with this beautiful music that we were playing. The first tour with this group of guys that I, the name of the band is The Rill, if anybody wants to try to dig for that. As we toured, the effects of not taking my medication began to take hold. I was already very reserved and quiet. I learned the songs, we played the shows, we had a lot of fun. But then my mind began to dream a new dream, one of being a wise man, one of someone that knows the right things, does the right things, is loving in the deepest possible way. And again, this saying this reminds me of a poem, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it was something to the the term of 
you know, be, being careful what you wish for, and Mara coming down and beating you with a hammer and throwing you in the fire. Anyways, I wasn't sure what this was that I was asking the universe for, and I wasn't ready for what happened next. But as time passed and we continued our touring and our off time, this anxiety began to burst forth in me, pretty much grinding me down continuously. Shortly after joining the band, I told them I had to quit, partially because of the anxiety that was overwhelming me, the energy and the emotions I had never experienced. And another part of that was my dad. I knew something wasn't right with him. Something didn't sit right with me. And I decided to stay in Portland, Oregon on one of our off days where my family was. So this, this feeling, these feelings of anxiety, this deep sense of chaos within, inside of me, outside of me, this deep, this feeling of helplessness all culminated on during the wedding of my mom and her new husband and my sister and her new husband. They did a joint wedding. All the family gathered around, all the people, all the chaos. It seems like it's a part of my family, which I'm sure is a part of your family too. All of our families have that element of chaos. I like to joke and say, your family knows what's, what buttons to push because they installed them. Our families installed all of our buttons and that's why they can push them. But anyways, yeah, they don't, this buzzing, intense anxiety culminated in this moment at the wedding. And I remember sitting in the back seat of the car my grandparents were driving, looking out the window. It was dark. Maybe it was rainy. I'm not sure. And I just fell into this thought that it would be easier to be dead than to have to feel this way. And for that brief moment, I felt it and then snapped out of it and said, I have to go to the hospital. Grandparents looked at me like, what? And all I had were my thoughts at that point. The secret said, you know, dream it, think it, it will happen, make it happen. Making the thoughts even worse, right? Because here I am worrying and ruminating on these negative things. So on top of feeling terrible, I'm worried that I'm going to manifest these demons into my life. Being trapped in the world of thought, which I think a lot of people are. So we went to the hospital and they gave them gave us some type of emergency drug that I was supposed to take that if I felt extreme anxiety coming on, I was to take it. It's a sedate, sedation kind of thing. After that, I got home and my new stepsister, Cheryl, I think the day after, gave me a book. It was called The Power of Now. I still remember the green and white cover looking at it. Not really judging it, but like, oh, what is this all about? And reading the first couple pages, that was it. It was an answer to the suffering that I was experiencing. And the root of this anxiety, it started out as anxiety and just, um, you know, fear. But eventually my mind during that time latched onto a certain thing to ruminate about, ruminate on. And back then, if I ever imagined I'd be talking about this on a podcast and about to tell you what this was, I would probably, it would make me, I just can't even imagine it. But anyways, yeah, the thought I locked onto was like, I started to have these violent flashes in my mind. You know, we, I lived with my sister, her hus- new husband, my nephew, young nephew, um, our friend Michael, my girlfriend. So a lot of people there. And I remember my mind, I'd be, you know, talking or playing with Brian. And all of a sudden I get this image of like me stabbing Brian or something. It makes my heart sink to even say it, you know, because he's a 
beautiful baby child and this image pops in there and oh my god you know at that point my whole life was built around the imagination and what I could create with it and here I am having these images that seem to pop into my mind and I can't control them and what does this mean am I a murderer am I evil is this what I'm going to become and so this rumination happened you know and it's the only thing I can call it rumination and as I learned more about the mind I learned that in a way it was almost like an OCD, obsessive compulsive thing where I didn't want to think about it, so I thought about it. And when I say think about it, I don't mean planning it. I'm going to go get this knife and do this thing. And it, and it didn't even just have to do with him and anybody. You know, It was like when I was in that mode of anxiety, it manifested in this way of, oh my God, is this what's going to happen? And then you get this image in your mind and it's just this weird cycle and then you can't talk about it because you're like well what if someone thinks I really am going to become that and and so goes the circle right and we have this combination of fear shame and when you have those two things working together that's where the real work needs to be done and so yeah that was what my fear had found its way to manifest as as this you know what if I'm going down this path what if I do that and we'll talk about that in later episodes. But just to give you an idea, I was mentally suffering, you know, suffering with this, what felt like a parasite at the time. And so then the power of now was given to me and it was like, you are not your thoughts. And didn't really make sense to me at first, but it did. It resonated on a deeper level because at that time I had learned, you know, prior to getting off medication, prior before, you know, being in a chaotic van and driving all around the U.S. and playing these shows and then living here and living there. I was able to channel my mind and to manifest in what felt my dreams, you know, these beautiful visions I had. And then after the chaos and being out of control, my mind, my creativity turned into this other thing, this negative, negative vampire, you know, this OCD of images it's almost like if someone were to say, don't think of a pink elephant. You think of a pink elephant, right? And so for me, it was like, you know, don't, you know, you don't want to see that. You know, oh, oh, the power of now, you know, I read it and I reread it and I read it. And it gave me a sense of stability. It gave me a path. And it wasn't easy, but it gave me a path. I practiced in the way I knew how through that book. Power now, other than you know, present moment mindfulness and awareness, at least to my knowledge now, doesn't talk about the formal practice of zazen, which is what I practice now, seated meditation, just sitting. But I practice that present moment awareness and tried to be with my the energetic fields inside myself. And it was a hard time of practice. You know, from 19, 20, 21, I discovered Zen Buddhism. And this was, this was after a lot of spiritual buffet, you know, going and trying these different things, reading these different things. All of them, though, I did see this common link between their religions and the spiritualities, you know, Hinduism and a little bit of Buddhism and Christianity. I saw the link between them. And then I discovered Zen Buddhism through going to a temple in Portland, Oregon meditation group, because I had heard that meditating with others amplifies power of meditation. And so I said, oh, well, there's this group, you know, of Zen Buddhists, Portland, Oregon, Dharma Rain Zen Center. I'm going to go sit with them. 
and I sat with them. And to me, it just felt like this very pure practice of sitting and being there on that cushion. They didn't talk too much. There wasn't too much instruction. Very formal. And that was where I discovered Zen Buddhism. And really that was began the that foundation of peace that I had begun to taste through mindfulness. It got a solid foundation through seated meditation or zazen. And I'm not sure entirely why that is. My intuition says the formal practice of sitting and doing that breathing, mindful breathing practice and having that posture, setting aside that time for that, allows the mind to go deep into that mindfulness and cultivate a sense of being before entering the world. And it makes the process of mindfulness in the world much more stable. And that's what I had found through it. And I am going to gloss over some parts of you know my practice time during this period of life. I'm sure we'll revisit those in other podcasts. But I practiced Zen Buddhism living in Portland, Oregon while going to college, living with a couple of my old classmates from elementary and middle school for a couple of years. Eventually I moved in and lived at that Zen temple, perhaps for three or four months. And, you know, from that time in 2004 till now in 2020, I have been practicing and sitting more consistently for the last year. So that's kind of my practice history. Now the Imperfect Buddhist, I hope the name kind of gives you an idea of what this podcast is going to be about. That's my hope. The Imperfect Buddhist is exactly that. It's me, an imperfect person, or Buddhist if if you can say that, sharing my experience with you about what it's like to live 2020, 21, this day and age and practice Buddhism while working, living, being a married man, doing all those things. The other intention is that I want this, my goal with this podcast is to be real and honest with you, you know, not give you some glossy, idealistic version of what this practice looks like, but to give you the real nitty gritty of it, you know, the fights and then the realizing that I'm fighting and what it's like to apply mindfulness and these practices in real life. I want to be able to share my failures with you as well as my triumphs. This is more of a sangha in the sense that it's one heart meeting another heart in a sense of understanding and practice. So my goal and my mission statement is to be real, to be honest, and to share what is scary for me to share. We have a lot of the media out there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that is built for people to share. And most people share their best selves, them on their best days, photos that have been photoshopped and edited to look perfect. And I think that's one of the pandemics of our time is we feel alone because we are imperfect. We feel alone because we compare ourselves to the images on Facebook and Instagram, to the stories and the great lives that we read about. Here we are 
in our life, working these jobs that we maybe don't love, that maybe we even hate, waking up depressed, going to bed lonely, and feeling a lack of purpose in our lives. And we are not alone in that. That is a common experience, but I hope through Buddhism and through mindfulness or through spirituality, whatever religion you can connect with, that you can find a deeper purpose in your life. You can find that deep, the big mind that they talk about in Buddhism. The big mind is available to us in our lives. And we can tap into it through various practices. So my goal is to be real with you and be honest. And if I don't keep my word on that, if you feel like I'm being disingenuous or fake, I'd love to hear from you. You know, help me keep my practice straight. I do appreciate if you do that in a kind way. <laughs> Additionally, I want this podcast to eventually become a beacon and a light so that we can have a sangha. We have a place that we can connect. I'm not sure how that will manifest, but it's definitely a dream of mine. This is the Imperfect Buddhist, and I thank you for listening, and I look forward to sharing more with you.